Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. Well, I hope you like fake Mexican accents and giant sombreros, because if you do, 1966 is the Appaloosas for you. Yes, that is right. The Apple Papusa is a movie about Italian-American turned Speedy Gonzalez pistolero gang leader John Saxon and his need to save face because his girlfriend tried to run away from him in front of all of his friends. So instead, he starts shit with a chiseled chin of Marlon Brando, who kind of mumbles his way to greatness in this film, by the way, and some slow dragging action ensues. Well, without further ado, let's get crazy drunk with our best bud Paco, use coffee grounds in our face to turn us Mexican, and head out to Mexico and risk our lives to get back our spotted horse, because fuck it. Now play that shit theme song. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most podcast you We're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips. What is up? This is your host of the Mustachioed Podcastio, Daniel Segura. And today I welcome a new mustachioso to the show. He's a writer, he's an editor, he's a director, and honestly, most importantly, he sports one hell of a goddamn mustache. His name is Mike Justice. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm, <laughs> I'm up, probably dude? about to, um, I'm going to probably shave my mustache in a couple of weeks, so you caught me at the right time. Oh my god, why is this like a is this like a life-changing thing or like No, 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 no. It's just a winter thing because then um when I grow it back it'll be sexier. Oh, I like that. So you're a seasonal mustachioso. Yeah, I like to revisit it every year and notice how much I've gone through puberty the pre- previous 12 months. I'll be like, "Ooh, <laughs> it's finally like I'm growing up. It's like bushier this time." I was going to say it is a, it is quite a beautiful multi-bristled canvas you have there. It's nice. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Has yeah, anyone took... ever told you that? No, no, because it's taken me forever. I'm 45 years old, and it was only in the last three years that I was able to grow a mustache that I didn't look like a teenager trying to look like a gangster. <laughs> yeah, I've, um, I'm have i kind of like – I've tried sporting a, just a mustache. I kind of do the um, – I don't know what you would call it. There's a name for it. I just can't think of it. Maybe – I think it's called the Van Dyke style where it's like – you have a separate mustache and a separate kind of beard, but it's not a big beard. It's just kind of just on the chin. Um, I sport that a lot because I, when I've tried to just do the mustache, I look like I hang out at playgrounds and like I just can't put I, – I don't know if it's something about my smile or something. I just look like I'm up to no good or I'm going to sell you a BMW and really rip you off. <laughs> you have like the villain, the villain mustache. Yes, I have yeah. the villain mustache, So, uh, which we see a lot in this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. Of, a lot of very villainous mustachioed guys. But by the way, this movie, if you like mustaches, there really is a shitload throughout the whole film. Oh, yeah. And if you love sneering and snaggletooth oh smiles so and lots of oily, greasy skin, this is your yes. and pores and women chomping on on limes and giant close up. <laughs> Yes, I'm glad you noticed that too because I was like somewhere in my notes I'm like holy shit there's so much sneering and like I started getting sweaty like I was like just looking at how hot they are. Well they all just they were all super hot they were chugging 
booze throughout the whole movie. Not, not, never did they actually get intoxicated, but they were constantly just drinking tequila. Yes. Oh, so and, much. Oh, yeah. So I was starting to feel like really kind of hot and sort of like sweaty and uncomfortable watching it. Like, <laughs> oh, you got to drink some water. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Mike, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Like, have you, do you do the podcast thing often? Do you guess on a lot of shows? I know you're definitely in the... You're definitely in that film industry for sure. No, no. I just actually discovered podcasts in the last year when well, – ever since uh, the pandemic because I went from working with a bunch of people to working with nobody. And so I just needed mm-hmm. to hear voices around me. And I don't know why I never I never listened to podcasts before. I think I always thought that it was too difficult to listen to or you had to download something. I'm really stupid. So I <laughs> <laughs> just started listening to them. I haven't guessed it. I'm, uh, Vaughn has had me on his show a couple of times. Oh, from uh, Motion Picture Massacre? Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, he's one of my favorite, like, trash Jersey friends for sure. Um, he... <laughs> I only I'm fucking with you. I love you, Vod, but it's because he's always talking shit about me, and I don't have a chance to defend myself. <laughs> uh, so, what's your what's your history with uh, the Appaloosa? Do you ever seen this movie? No, no. In fact, I oh, had okay. never even heard of it. So, uh, it was I, I actually really well. I mean, should we talk? Oh no, it's should fine. I tell yeah. you my opinion? Okay, um, I actually really liked it. Um, I wonder though. It's really funny. I I don't know what's wrong with me because every buddy that I've talked to since I watched it and everything I've read about it talks about how slow it is. Uh-huh. And I actually was like really pleasantly surprised by it, it was it had a, it was only an hour and a half and it wasn't like some ponderous character thing where there was a lot going on inside. It wasn't like Wyatt Earp or Heaven's Gate or whatever. It was just like it was really simple. It was like somebody stole this horse and now he has to go after them. Yeah, it's almost yeah. like Mother Goose fairy tale level or like um uh, you know, like the Brothers Grimm kind of like where it's like it's a simple concept, but it's told in this like full, full feature length film. Yeah, there's really not a whole lot of every once in a while, like maybe like at three points during the movie, the characters will just stop and deliver some exposition for maybe like three minutes about what <laughs> yeah. motivates them in life. And then they'll just be like, OK, well, anyway, back to the horse. We got to go get this horse. <laughs> <laughs> that immediately made me think when Marlon Brando's speaking to Paco's wife. All right, and he just takes the moment to just mention about Paco's dad and this whole thing. But you're right, I and I and honestly, you're right. I I didn't even read reviews yet, but I put in my own cold open that you know slow dragging action ensues because it is slower. But I don't necessarily mean that I hated that. I think I think it gives you a lot of time because there's so much more to the movie than just like what the. I, there's like a lot of honestly a lot of other variables that kind of make it very easy to watch because there's a lot going on that you really do feel like they're like they're wearing so many layers and they're in fucking mexico and it's hot as shit sometimes there, depending on where you're at and it's like there's so it kind of its own character to the whole movie kind of like when you see i see a lot of these movies like the taking of pelham one two three like new york is basically like a character in that damn movie and I feel like Mexico was kind of like that. I'm not sure if this was actually shot in Mexico, though. It was shot in California and in Utah, and you can tell wow. the one the parts in Utah because they it's they have those giant um, oh man what do, what do you call them? I'm, I want to say like stalagmites, not stalagmites. You know those stalagmites? Sort of, no, they're like <laughs> this is all stuff in a cave. Like you know that <laughs> desert uh, topography where it's like yeah. just these like like Devil's Mountain and uh, you know like from um, uh, the 
that movie about the aliens <laughs> that um, <laughs> that Steven Spielberg made, <laughs> where he where where Richard Dreyfus like builds a little mountain out of out of mashed potatoes oh, yeah. and then tr- yeah like there's a lot of that going on in the background and it's like it's not necessarily doesn't really necessarily look like you know the Mexican border but it's very picturesque yeah it is there's a lot of really I mean honestly the opening shot of the movie is like it's. It, right away, you feel kind of man. This is going to be it, even if this movie isn't good. At least the shots are going to be kind of nice. A lot of these nice like landscape shots. Well, now so the whole so the whole opening credits is is Brando's character riding a horse through the desert. Do you really do you think that was really Brando, or do you think that was a stand-in? Like, do you think he actually? <laughs> that was definitely a stand-in. Yeah, because I'm like, I don't think he would he would acquiesce to just you know getting on a horse with his back to the camera and riding through the. <laughs> it's like, desert in the background he'll just put him in my wig and my put him in my wig and my beard just have him that's not a good brando at all but uh (laughs) that's kind of like what he sounds like through the whole movie like even when he's supposed to be like i don't see him get his dander up once like even when like they're saying like you know john saxon is like i'm going to arm wrestle you and then we are you're going to die from a scorpion stinging you and he's like well what if i win <laughs> yeah, he has I think he's trying to be like this like um intense low-key drifter person that's kind of like you he's really he's so tough he doesn't have to raise his voice, you know? Yeah. But it it kind of comes across more like he's a little more like emo or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's but it's interesting. It, it's interesting cuz it actually works I felt like for Brando cuz I was thinking of other actors around like so the character is supposed to be this sort of damaged, busted, shell-shocked, you yes. know, drifter guy. And Brando himself was such a damaged actor. Like, I don't think Paul Newman could have played this role or or John Wayne or anybody else like that who would be too heroic. Um, you know, Gregory yeah, they, Peck couldn't have done this. It would, it would have had to be somebody like Brando who looks like or who just is, you know, so neurotic. Like, and there's like a vulnerability to him that... It, it. I think you're right. Like, I think there's a lot of actors that would come across too, too hero-like, and like he has like this weird vulnerability, like in his entire performance throughout, from the very beginning to the very end, where he's kind of hard to predict. Like, you don't automatically think, oh, he's going to be a sharpshooter, you know, and he's going to be real dangerous with the shotgun or with a rifle. Like, you don't get that feeling from him. You just kind of. You're kind of hoping he's okay because you're like, this guy's going to go on a suicide mission, basically. But, um, right, and and he yeah. justifies it because like the um, Miriam Cologne is like, you know, why we're gonna start a ranch? Like, why do you need to go after your horse? And he's like, well, he stole my horse. What am I supposed to do? Sit in the river and just forget about it? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, oh well, I guess you have a point. Okay, here, put coffee grounds on your face. <laughs> and I do gotta say, I I genuinely like the opening of the film. I think him going to that Ojo Prieto, I think it is. It's like a border town. Mm-hmm. Um, an American border town, so it's actually in the states, and and uh, this takes place in the late 1800s. It was like 1870 or something like that. And I like that. Op- I like all the little nuances, like him coming on a. He's on his horse, and like there's like a fucking little like um, Australian Shepherd type looking dog, and he's like biting at the heels of the damn horse like an asshole, and <laughs> which is what they do. They're, they're kind of like, like he was being kind of a dick about it, but they, that's what they do, right? They're, they're uh, herding dogs. And then, like, for – I don't know why the movie do, – do maybe it was because we're like, okay, this is a guy that he he's to be feared because he gets off the horse and he looks at the dog. And the dog kind of looks cute for a second because it's so hard to make a dog not look cute sometimes. 
and then it cries and runs away. <laughs> yeah, I think that was just kind of like the quickest way to sort of imply that he he you know his character uh, had a lot of gravitas or something. Yeah. Like he, you know, this guy has a has a tragic history, and he is not to be messed with. This dog knows. Yeah, the dog sensed that this guy's seen some shit. <laughs> <laughs> like it didn't stop him from chasing the horse and trying to bite it, but then when he looks at him, he's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Marlon Brando, he does is his um. Nonverbal acting is what gets me in this movie so much. The stuff he does with his hands, he's always fucking like touching people and like doing like like so he goes down into this gross watering hole to like rinse his face off from because he has a big old beard. He looks like he looks pretty much disheveled like horribly and it's all very fake so it looks really bad <laughs> and he puts his face in this watering hole and instead of like splashing the face like i guess because it's all fake beard and hair he kind of just motions his hands in the water but it doesn't actually do anything <laughs> <laughs> i was like what the fuck who does that it was just it was like the big director liked the angle yeah <laughs> you know he just wanted it it tripped me out and then you get into the church and then like that's when shit just it's so interesting like all those little things like i really like it i like the way it opens up it's very um it's just it perfectly sets up a lot of the characters right away and you kind of get an idea of how things are gonna go you right away see um you right away you see you you see chewy and then you see his like main dude in the church lazaro i think um and that's that. That guy was also in uh, "Bring Me the Head" of Alfredo Garcia, um, Emilio Fernandez, I think is his name. And that guy has the best bad guy grin, like that bad guy smile. He sneers so much in this freaking movie. Oh, and he does it to everyone. He does it to Brando. He does it to the woman. He does it to the other, <laughs> the other bad guys. Like <laughs> it's so amazing. At first, I thought. Because I, I was like, I'm pretty sure he knows English, but then I, at first I was like, maybe he doesn't. So the director was like, just, just smile, <laughs> just, right. just look and smile. We don't need you to say any words. But then he does speak English, like in parts of the movie, and I'm like, oh, he speaks great English. So like, I don't know, I but I, I guess he's supposed to be that quiet, heavy, you know, that guy that's just kind of creepy. Super yeah, creepy. yeah, it makes sense because he's he's John Saxon's right hand man, and and John Saxon is the verbal oh, guy God. with all the the stories and the intimidation and the talking, and so it makes sense that his 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 right hand man would just be silent and mean. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I love the whole confession part. I think that really does help set up uh, Brando's character, who plays he. I think it's Matt, is his name. Um, I forget the last name, honestly. Uh, Matt it's Fletcher. Like oh yeah yeah that's right yeah and it, um did you notice how the priest was like trying to get rid of him yes i i think you know what here's my theory he fucking smelled horrible I know. could you imagine being a confessional with someone that's been on a horse for the last fucking three four days and well, then, the, exactly i mean he gets into the confessional and he's like talking to the priest and the priest is like i'll tell you what go up to the altar and Talk to God about it. Yeah. You know what? Light some matches, dude, because you <laughs> right. fucking stink, dude. Well, that's what even um, the daughter, like the little girl says, like, you smell like a goat. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But right away, fucking, I I didn't know what to expect from John Saxon. I like I, I didn't mention this, but I had never seen this movie either. I Somebody told me, I'm not sure if it was Candace, but somebody mentioned when um, – when rest in peace, John Saxon, uh, when he passed, um, they I had a 
I think I had put something out like, God, I just wish I could find a movie where he has a mustache. And someone mentioned this one. And he's had a mustache in other films too, but this was one that I kind of found kind of interesting, like just the fact it's such a simple plot. And I'm like, I want to see what they can do in 90 minutes. And I had a really good time. I know that this can't happen. It's also something like, it's like this can't happen now. Like you can't. You can't have like an Italian guy just like doing this like fun Speedy Gonzalez voice. As as a Latino myself, I think it's fun. It doesn't bother me at all. I like to poke at it a little bit, but I think he did a pretty decent job for the most. Sometimes he he definitely did better than Jack Black in Nacho Libre. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or um, didn't Will Ferrell? Yes, like in a in a yeah. Um, so that's the thing is like the John Saxon accent. It is kind of funny. He does sound a little too Cuban sometimes. He kind of yes. sounds like um, Rod Steiger in The Specialist. Like you'll find these explosives. Yes. <laughs> um, but he's really good in the movie. He's really yeah. watchable. And so I, I kind of forgot about the accent after a while. And I was like, okay. Yeah, you kind yeah, of you accept <laughs> it. And he's yeah. he's in like tan face. You know, I don't know what you would call that. Uh, oh, you know, he's a little toastier slightly. Oh, that there was a couple of times where there were some close ups of him. And I was like, damn, what's up with the bronzer? <laughs> <laughs> they bronze him up. He looks like a trophy, yeah. dude. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you do get used to his character. You could, he did a decent job of holding on to it and being consistent. And right away, you can tell he's kind of a, like a he's someone that like he didn't earn his power. His like father gave it to him, and like now, like he kind of seems like a rich kid, <laughs> in my opinion, the way he acts a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He definitely, definitely is sort of like um, the. Um... You're right. I didn't even notice that before, but he does. He is kind of like the uh, the Trump Jr. or something. Yeah, like he's <laughs> like I have all this power and the was I think they're Molinas or Medinas. I can't remember. Oh, the Medinas. Medinas. That's right. Yeah, and that was so funny because then later on, um, uh, Brando sends a message back to him, and he goes, "This the venom of your scorpion was weak, like the Medina's blood." Yeah, <laughs> I know that's so poetic, so weird. <laughs> and Chewie's like, "Okay, now we find him and kill him." <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick of these teeth. <laughs> was he wearing? Was is that John Saxon's actual teeth? I don't know. He could have been wearing some something in there. <laughs> he almost looked like he had Bugs Bunny teeth, but I was thinking maybe it was just the way he was grinning, or maybe it was because of the bronzer clashing with the teeth that the teeth were more pronounced or something. It could but... have been. Yeah, it did look weird because yeah. I've seen him in other films, of course, and I'm, I they never stuck out to me in the past. He has well, kind of like my kind of teeth. It was more like chiclet type teeth, but like yeah. I don't have big giant block teeth. Yeah, you know what's interesting is John Saxon sort of dusted off this performance and used it again in a different movie. A couple of years later, he was he played a Mexican villain in a western called Joe Kid with Clint Eastwood. Oh, and I actually think well he had, but he learned a little something about accents in the ensuing years because his accent in Joe Kid is is a lot more subdued. And I actually kind of like his mustache better in that movie. Oh, okay, but it's not as much fun of a role because of. Basically, there was a lot of cultural changes between the late 60s and the early 70s. So the Mexican villain that he plays in Joe Kidd is a lot more – it's a lot less cartoonish because they were trying to be more politically correct. So he's playing uh, like a revolutionary and he's not just a horrible villain. He has a point and a lot of sympathies lie with him. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Let's go back to the Appaloosa where he's just crazy a Speedy Gonzalez and wants to yeah, kill like, it, I like that more. It's so much more fun. He's like so <laughs> yeah. bombastic and like he just pretty much all day just drinks and like 
doesn't shut the fuck up. Like, oh, and he doesn't—he <laughs> doesn't drink anything but tequila. Like he's yeah. just sitting there. Like it's it, like he'll come in from like the hot sun and like he'll wipe his brow with his forearm and then drink tequila. I'm like, <laughs> you don't want some ice cubes with that or something? <laughs> it's like one of the first. It's like I didn't expect this to happen in the movie, but the fact that eventually Lazaro comes up to him and goes, "You drink too much, man. <laughs> you, need to, you need to calm the fuck down, dude." <laughs> And nobody's ever intoxicated except, I mean, Brando gets intoxicated at one point, but everybody's drinking. The woman is, like, drinking tequila oh, shot after tequila shot. Yeah, yeah Trini. And Trini. then she just picks up Brando and puts him on a horse. And, like, takes yeah, like, that was maybe the most unbelievable thing in the entire movie because, you know, she's very um, – you know, she's stuck in this, like, really fucked up relationship. We find out, like, in the movie that, um, that Chewie's – girlfriend or love interest if he bought her when she was 15 and her fate is basically once she ages out or gets like he gets tired of her he just gives her to his gang member guys his um pistoleros or whatever they're called and um and and then that's her life just getting you know wrecked and abused and all kinds of shit and so that's her she has a very tragic story and the whole thing is she's been trying to get away but unfortunately she intertwined um Marlon Brando's character into her wanting to get a- away from this guy and that's when everything gets all fucked up i and i feel like she i mean she also she has a very subdued mexican accent i think she did an okay job of like trying not to cartoon it up as much <laughs> but um because at first I didn't even notice. I, I was like, "Oh, is she just a white girl that they, you know, that they got?" Like she was visiting Mexico, and and Chewie said, "Hey, I want that one." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she went down south with her dad to like buy some mules, and then just grabbed her off the street. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I was like thinking at first. I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like she got like abducted, but it's like, no, I think she actually is supposed to be playing a Mexican. Yeah, yeah, and she was she was kind of subdued. She she sounded like I think maybe like Miriam Cologne, like gave her lessons or something probably yeah, yeah Miriam Cologne is awesome too in this movie I wish she had more to do but she it was she crazy was seeing her young because she's like basically just she's been you know she's like like instead of America's sweetheart she's been like she was like America's abuelita for you know my whole life for a long time and then I was like looking at, and then I was seeing her in this movie and she was only like maybe 30 wow she's beautiful she looked beautiful yeah and it was it was one of those things where I had to like I had to stop and IMDb her because I was like, okay, I know who she is, but I know I know her with, like, a lot more wrinkles and layers of clothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I forgot she was also in – did you ever see The Possession of Joel Delaney with uh, Shirley MacLaine where her – brother gets possessed by a puerto rican bank robber or something what the fuck no <laughs> jesus christ well it was like so so shirley mclean really wanted to be in the exorcist and they couldn't get the rights so as a as a consolation prize she got to make the possession of joel delaney and it was like so she like lives in new york and her brother gets possessed by a dead puerto rican gangster and she um and so miriam cologne is like her maid and so she's like hey can you show me how to do uh you know brujeria to help save my brother and and Miriam Cologne is like you white bitch like I'm off the clock like <laughs> it's gonna cost you Go. extra <laughs> I have to see this movie I don't even care if there's not a mustache in there I'm just gonna watch this for my own self-interests oh you have to yeah it's I think it it, it was hard to see for a long time because I think it was one of those movies that didn't come 
it came out on VHS maybe like in 1980 and then was out of print until DVDs came out or something. So like a whole generation of people grew up not seeing it. But they should remake it, uh, the possession of John Mulaney, and uh, <laughs> they just have the comedian <laughs> play play a Puerto Rican guy. <laughs> Well, at least – see, the the interesting thing about the possession of Joel Delaney is that when he speaks Spanish and stuff, they actually dub in a different voice of someone speaking it. Genius. So it actually – yeah, so it's it, it it's authentic and he does sound possessed. So nice. it's, it's, it's pretty good. And Puerto Rican Spanish has a different vibe to it, a different rhythm um, than Mexican Spanish for sure. It's, so. it's faster and meaner. Yes. It has like <laughs> – it always sounds like they're about to start rapping or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain. Like they're just coming in for a song. They can feel the beat. Well, they're. they're I mean, you know, it's, it's the one. You know, I mean, they are New Yorkers. They are. There's a lot of them out there. Yeah. In like and, and and you know, so I think when you're from like the West Coast or the South, or you know, you're going to be a little bit slower. Yes. And yeah. Then, a little more chill. A little more chill. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. Basically, all I think all the performances just like touching on. All the different performances, I think they're all so good, and I and I honestly feel like <laughs> I feel like Marlon Brando's character, Matt. Uh, well, that you know he he after all this mess happens because there's this whole thing, you know, with with Chewie and he gets he he gets lied to by Trini. She tells him that that Matt tried to like fondle her or some shit inside the church, so he goes to confront him, and while he does that, Trini tries to get away, and so then because of that. Chewie pretends like, oh, no, you know, Trini wanted his fucking Appaloosa horse, which is just a spotted horse. Um, I didn't know what that was, by the way. I didn't know an Appaloosa was a type of just a coat for a horse, like a coat color. Um, and I love that whole exchange where just I don't like have you ever been in that situation where you're like you don't want anyone to know like something bad's going on with your relationships. You're like, no, it's fine. You know, I was just gonna buy this guy's horse <laughs> like, oh yeah so oh funny. yeah oh no we're acting out this scene from a play where you know she punches me across the face or something <laughs> um yeah yeah and he offers him 500 bucks for the horse which that's is like twenty thousand dollars or something in today's money yeah that's a corolla yeah holy shit that's way more and, horsepower well and you know what kind of sucks too is that he's like he refuses the money and then he goes to visit his friends, and they talk about starting a ranch. And I'm like, you know, I, li- I, I know you like this horse or whatever, but, you know, that money could have paid for a lot of ranch. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I don't know if it was just I, – I think it was the um, – it was the fact that he just simply did not like Chewy. Like that guy is uh, – <laughs> you could tell like they have complete opposite personalities in the way Chewy came at him, like pushing him around and pointing a gun at him. I think put him in such a bad state that he was like, I don't give a shit. You're never going to get this horse just out of pure principle because you're you're a garbage person. And But you're right. If he had just, you know, dropped the morals for a moment and just was like, yeah, here you go. Thank you. You're the one – because Chewie's the one that's taking the loss, you know, pretty much. He's paying way too much for this one horse just so that way his friends don't know that Trini doesn't want to be with him. And yeah, you're right. He could have gone that back to the ranch to Paco's family, and but instead he keeps the horse, goes to visit Paco, and he is like so lovey dovey with everybody. Like the way I, I'll never have a friend that is that happy to see me ever. Yeah, yeah, that was one thing. I was like, okay, I get it. You guys all know each other, but they were like, it's Mateo, it's Mateo, <laughs> it's oh fucking Mateo, holy Mateo. shit. 
But I kind of like there were some scenes where I kind of think that maybe like Rafael Campos hated Marlon Brando because I could kind of see it in his eyes when they had scenes together. Oh yeah, I never I didn't notice that. <laughs> because Brando kept doing this thing where he was like, you know, um he would be talking to Paco and be like, "You we're going to start a ranch, you're my friend." And then he'd like smack him in the face or like grab his cheeks or, or That's like, what I was saying. Like... He's always touching everybody. Well, the thing was is that I know like just Brando by reputation and I know that he liked to like kind of torture and, and, and antagonize his fellow actors and so I bet you anything all that stuff with him smacking Paco in the face and stuff he probably improv that and thought that it made it seem like they were really close but then I was watching Rafael Campos and I was like looking at him and I was like I bet you he hates Marlon Brando oh, right yeah. now. I bet you he hates me in this movie. Also it makes you feel like especially it. <laughs> I don't like that like I in real life I don't like I don't care who you are. I don't like anyone like trying to rub my head or trying to tap my shoulder or rub my shoulders. I'm like, I don't fucking need that. I don't need you to like, it feels like you're good little buddy. Like it feels like that kind of energy and I don't need that shit. Right. I I don't like that. And I think it's very similar. There's literally a part where, so he goes to this whole thing and then the fucking Chewie tries to Chewie steals his Appaloosa and they get into this big old, uh, little battle because they're drunk as shit. Um, you know, Matt and Paco are drunk as fuck, so he couldn't do he couldn't shoot the side of a barn. And, you know, he gets dragged through the water. It's a really cool scene. I actually like the action there. It's it's fun and it's actually kind of funny, uh, in a way. If you're kind of like in the bad guy's point of view, I was kind of enjoying it too. I would be laughing my ass off watching some drunk guy try to like shoot me. It's kinda of hilarious. Oh yeah, because he had already told him he's like next time, you know, he was like, "I'm going to see you, and I'm going to shoot." What did he say? I'm going to shoot you into a million pieces or something. Yes, he had talked some <laughs> mad shit to him, uh, yep. Matt to Chewie, and so Chewie came back and said, "Fuck you, I'm going to steal your horse." Then, and then that's when Matt decides he's going to go out to um, I forget where uh, where Chewie says to meet him in like, oh fuck, it's a, like a Mexican town. Well, um, so I tried looking it up, and it's a I real town. I don't think it's. Uh, yeah, but I was like, I don't think it's on the map anymore because I found one and it was all the way down in central Mexico in like Puebla. And I was like, okay, that oh. would take more than a couple of days oh, to get to right. on a horse. Coatlan. Yeah, and I was like, it's Coatlan. Yeah, yeah. So I think they, in the movie, it's supposed to just be on the other side of the border. Like it's supposed to be like, oh, okay. Like, you know, Tijuana or something. And Yeah, and, I think the uh, one in Mexico is like Coatlan del Rio or something like, something like that. Like it's like extra. And so maybe it's in a whole different spot. They might have just liked the name and were like, oh, we'll just use the names, fictional town on the border. But you're right. Yeah, because he, he got there so fast. There's no way he would have been able to do that. It would have been a really horrible trek, actually. Yeah, travel way down past Monterey, Oof. like all the way almost to the Yucatan for some horse. For a fucking like, horse. Yeah. It's yeah. Crazy. And he decides he's going to go out there to Coatlan and, and find the horse and get it back. And there's that part where he's leaving Paco's family. And Paco tells him, like, hey, you got to be careful. Don't trust anybody, blah, blah, blah. He's trying to give him some good, you know, some good advice. And I think uh, uh, Paco's wife, um, I forget her name in the movie, uh, she she gives him, like, a little, like, blanket because it gets cold out there in the night. You know, in the desert, it always gets cold like that. And then he uh, – it's so weird. So then uh, fucking Marlon Brando just puts his hand – like over Paco's face, like rubs his, like he was, like as if he was blind, rubs Paco's entire face and then smacks him in the middle of the face a little bit and then just leaves. And I'm like, who does that? 
Is this is this after he put um, coffee grounds on him? Yes, this is after. Yeah, just before that, he has this whole thing uh, with Paco's wife, who he's very close to. I'm like pretty sure they had a thing at some point. I was wondering that too. Is there really like close. an ex of his or something? Yeah, yeah. It, it gave that vibe off. I think he's just like a free loving guy. You know, it's just like I've <laughs> I've had sex with Paco and his wife. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he just wants his friends to have a good time, and but yeah, right, yeah. There's that part where he, he she tells him how like white he looks because he shaves all his beard and he cuts his hair. By the way, it looked like he would he cuts his own hair really fucking good. Like basically, it's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and she's like, oh, you look so white because like you know all your hair is off. He's like, oh, I can do that something about that and. He shoves some coffee grounds inside, like a little knapsack or something, or like a little um, what do you call? It's like it? Like a cheese? It's like a cheesecloth. Cheesecloth, and he yeah, starts pressing and then it. he <laughs> and she's and she says the immortal line that should be on a T-shirt somewhere: "Coffee grounds do not make a Mexican." <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't think he ends up going through it. I think he like he started to put the coffee grounds on, and then she says that, and he's like, "Yeah, you're right," and then just puts them down. And for the rest of the movie, he doesn't have any brown face on at all. No, he doesn't. Yeah, he, he just goes. <laughs> he does throw on an accent when he gets to Mexico, though. His accent wasn't bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. Um, he turns that one on. I guess he was just trying to be undercover because he knew that oh, well, any of these people could be Chewie's men. Well, now, so in the in the context of this film or in the universe of this film, like. So we know, like, in movies, like, when non-English-speaking people sit around speaking heavily accented English with each other, like, you're supposed to kind of assume that they're speaking their native language. Mm -hmm. When he goes down to this, like, pulqueria and is, like, trying to pretend to be Mexican, is he speaking – do you think he's speaking Spanish to them? Or do you think he really just walked in speaking heavily accented English and thought that they would think he was Mexican? I think it was that because he did try to – he did throw in some – kind of spanglish stuff in the middle and so like i think he's trying to be like i think he's trying to say like look i'm 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 i could be mixed or i i I could be like white but i i've been around a lot of mexicans so i can speak spanglish right because he goes in with like this sombrero and then sits at a table and just puts his like his hand like over his eyes, you know, like he sees somebody who he doesn't want to run into. Yes, I love that shot. That's like when I'm afraid my ex might be in a room. He looked like his ex just walked in the door. He's just like, oh, uh, God. oh uh, shit, shit. I don't know how to hide my face. If I can't see them, they can't see me. And it's and it's like every single person in this place is mean mugging him. It's yes, and the, even the music stops. <laughs> Well, that's the funny thing. Okay, so I've noticed that everybody in this movie is either extremely hospitable or extremely hostile. Yes. Like they're either like bending over backwards to do things for him and loving him and talking about how much they want to help him and save him and how and all this stuff. Or they hate his guts and want to like pick on him and torture him and like shoot him. Yeah, because even like I, I do like that the Scarface guy that's Chewie's uh, – one of Chewie's dudes – um, that interaction when they're at the bar and he just wants to come up to interact with Matt because he's suspicious that this might be the gringo that they've been waiting to come through. And he talks to him a little bit and they kind of test each other on because Matt mentioned some town that he's heading out to. And he makes up this story about like this lady that has this little cantina and there's only like two tables and she makes the best chicken mole. And 
the guy kind of is trying to catch him in a lie. And then Matt takes it as an insult and, and kind of like tells that guy that he doesn't really know that town. And oh, right. yeah, like he, it's so weird. It's like a kind of a, they were trying to like, trying to find each other out, I guess. And like, but, but Matt was like, well, I'm just going to act really mad that he, I'm going to act insulted that he doesn't believe me and I'm going to just get out of here. But it's so obvious he's guilty. <laughs> like it's so obvious yeah. he's there to go and get his horse. Right, because they were talking about, yeah, the woman with the cantina and the mole, and then the the guy comes up and he goes, yeah, actually, I've been to that town. There's only one old man who lives there, and he makes really bad chicken mole. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh, shit, I missed him. That was him. (laughs) But he's like only like two minutes out the door. Yeah, it's super quick. (laughs) It's hilarious. And then then he gets over to – he starts traveling more, and he runs into our Mexican Mr. Miyagi guy. Uh, right, the, the pig farmer. Yeah, the pig farmer. <laughs> and he's, like, pretty smooth. Like, he's able to take Brando's gun and, like, hold him up. And he thought maybe he was one of Chewie's, uh, Chewie's guys. And he says no, blah, blah, blah. So then right there, he, like you said, he's super hospitable. He makes him some, like, chili or some shit. I don't even know. Yeah, he made him, like, yeah, some soup or something. That's what I mean. He's, like, he's, like, he's you know, got a gun in his face. And he's, like, oh, never mind. Here. Have something to eat. Here's a blanket. Here's a pillow. <laughs> I like the fact that, like, you know, Mexicans they they have chairs. Like they like they're always showing Marlon Brando on the floor. Like Jesus Christ, there's chair, chairs were invented by 1870. Jesus Christ, right. it's so weird. And they're gonna have at least one or two in the house. <laughs> yeah, you, you might have a guest over, so they might have a bench just in case. Like you don't have to sit right. on the floor. Right, and these aren't these these aren't drifters or travelers or whatever. These are these are people's houses where they've been living yes. ostensibly, probably for years and decades. Like they're like this old man pig farmer. It's not like he's you know, um, yeah, he he should have a chair by now. And something, something. Jesus Christ! Um, I'm going to take this moment uh, to throw in an ad and also take a piss. We'll be right back. <laughs> Hey, Twisted Listeners, I'm Cindy. And I'm Diva, and we are the Twisted Listeners, a weekly podcast about murder and lists. Each week, we cover 10 cases that all fall under a specific topic, which we also choose weekly. Past topics have included family annihilators, murderous moms, mysterious and spooky deaths, online predators, and other truly twisted topics. We cover many well-known cases, but we also love to sprinkle in some lesser-known murders, so there's always something new and surprising in every episode. So, if you love lists and true crime as much as we do, then we're the podcast for you. Join us for some twisted tales and interesting topics every week. And remember, stay off our lists. All right. Sorry, I, I did the tradition of drinking, of chugging my first beer like Marlon Brando does in the movie. And Have you ever had pulque? No, I don't think so. I heard it's actually really good for you. It's got a lot of uh, antioxidants or something. Oh, so that's what he was drinking? Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's made. It's sort of it's it's made from the same plant that they make tequila, but instead of oh, they don't distill. Or... Yeah, but they ferment it instead of distilling it, so it's really cloudy and it's kind of thick. And it doesn't – the alcohol content isn't really that high, so you can kind of just drink it all day and just have a, a, a nice buzz going, but you never get, like, wasted. Oh, shit. That's kind of fucking yeah. cool. 
Yeah, and so they were always like, and so pulquerias were all like hotbeds of promiscuous sex and fighting, and and so they kind of got rid of them. But they're making a comeback now um, because uh, it's actually better for you than beer. So I'm down. I'm down to give a little pulqueria visit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're kind of like, well, they're kind of hipstered out now. So it's all like I was reading about them. So they go, um, they are, they're making a comeback because pulque is like fiercely Mexican. And so like, it's part of a pride thing. But they're not doing it the way they used to. They're doing it like infused with, you know, here's like, you know, cucumber cilantro pulque. And it's okay. Like, <laughs> oh, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. But you know, I think it's fine. I think it's good to extend on on a tradition and and see if you can find infuse some some other flavors. I, you know, at least it's 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 something that people can experience that maybe have never experienced it before. Like I'd never experienced it. I, I don't think I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Okay, so. And I don't think anybody's around who remembers it the old way and is like, "This isn't authentic." Like some hundred and twenty year old. Some man like, is this, like this. Like this is nothing like we drink. <laughs> this Mexican Miyagi guy's like, "This is not what I I did when I was a kid." Shit, it tastes like fucking shit. Yeah, well, there's there's like two ways to drink it. One of one of them too. They also mix it with oatmeal or something. So it's kind of like beer in that it's got its own oh, calories tricky. that go with it. So you can dr- you don't have to eat when you drink it. It's like it keeps you from getting like I don't know. There's there's a whole thing. I was because I when I was looking at it in the movie, I was like, is that real? <laughs> oh, so you <laughs> like looked into good. it? Yeah, yeah. Because oh, I was you're like, such oh, a that's... good guest. <laughs> you're such a good well. Guest. I just. I like I like to investigate like booze that I see in movies and see if it's real. Like I, I remember like you know before I knew absinthe was was really a thing. I like I saw it in a movie and I was like, wait, what? You can drink something that's made of fungus and it makes you hallucinate? What? Yeah, I think like the first time I ever saw that be a big deal was like that. It was like a stupid comedy called like Euro Trip or some bullshit, and they talk about absinthe and they do it and they see like a little green green creature of some sort. <laughs> Oh yeah, the green the green fairy. Yeah, green little fairy. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. I couldn't remember. I just remember something glowing and I was like, what the fuck? But they were drinking absinthe in Dracula. It was uh, like Gary Oldman and Winona Ryder were drinking absinthe and he was like, This is the drink of my people. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Gary Oldman she's is so like, awesome in that. And then she's like, Oh, this sounds good. I want to try this. <laughs> her little like her little like theater major English accent. I know her and, uh, Keanu like. I'm gonna speed it up. Oh my uh, god, he was awful. <laughs> we can get married when I return. If I may inquire, what in fact happened to Mister Renfield in Transylvania? I just shot my pants. Uh, <laughs> it's the man himself. He's grown young. <laughs> I like his little white hairs too. <laughs> oh yeah, when he's supposed to be like traumatized from it, so he gets like like Heather Langenkamp in Nightmare on Elm Street hair, like where he just has like one little white streak oh in it god. that looks really cute. Oh my god, we need a you know there might be a mustache in that movie. We might be able to cover Bram Stoker's Dracula because that would be a ball. I think he probably you know he goes through all those various incarnations, and I think one of them is a. And he has sported oh. some stashes in other movies, and I and I think in real life here and there because that's one thing I like. I prefer if they've sported in real life at some point. It doesn't have to be forever, but you know who has an amazing mustache in that movie is one of. Uh, so there's Lucy, and she has all those suitors yes. like Carrie Elwes and stuff, and she has that one guy who's like te- from Texas. That's right. What's his name? Oh my god! Um, oh, I, I think his name is Carson in the movie, or so. I mean, his character is like yes. something. 
Yeah, and he's got this big, and he's like, oh, Miss Lucy, you are as fresh as the spring rain. <laughs> and she's like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I know she is. I like how, like, she's supposed to be kind of, like, kind of, um, I guess, like, a little bit a little bit slutty, but really she's just playful and fun. I don't I didn't say anything wrong with it. She's just having a good oh, time. Oh, but that was, that was the, like, the Victorian era. Yeah. You know, she, like, basically, you know, she, she you know, had, like, you know, a dress like showing off part of her shoulder so she may as well have just been like locked up in an asylum for hysterical nymphomaniacs she was a she was a redheaded right i you know in real life i don't think she i i think she is a brunette and they made her oh. a redhead so she wouldn't cl- like to make her Not kind clash. of contrast with yeah uh, okay i liked i like she looked great with that I, I like me some red hair man um it's good stuff Oh, like the in the the Appaloosa when he was like tried to catch him in that lie, and he's like, "I do know one woman. She has red hair and white eyes." Oh yeah, I know. Like what? White <laughs> eyes? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to figure out if he meant that she was blind or that maybe like her eyes, like everybody else was, you know, all had red eyes, and she like used Visine. Yeah, or something. I know. Like, where did... <laughs> she looks like Raiden. <laughs> <laughs> like what the fuck? White eyes. That's that sounds terrifying as shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, but I, I was, I was having trouble following that whole conversation that they were having because I, I, I listened knew... to it twice. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. Because <laughs> I was like, does he know what he's talking about? Wait, does he yes. know what he's talking? I think they're lying to each other. Yes, that, I think that's the thing. Is like they're both bullshitting. So as the, and I was watching it on the DVD and I couldn't get the closed captioning and fucking. Marlon Brando is goddamn speaking out of his goddamn like I don't know like he's a rum, 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 rum. and I was like what are you saying you son of a bitch and so I had it super loud and I was like yeah. I don't know what they're talking about I guess because they're both bullshitting each other yeah I watched it I downloaded it from Russia <laughs> <laughs> I downloaded it off some Russian site and it was in English and there but there was no subtitles of of any kind so I, I just had you got to go the Putin the cut. Jesus, <laughs> the boon guy. Now it was <laughs> well. It was great because they. Um, well, I, I had a VPN and I was like using. Um, well, it was funny because I was using a VPN and I was saying I was in Russia in order to download this, and then I couldn't figure out what was going on because then after that I forgot to turn my VPN off and I kept trying to go to like other websites like Amazon and Facebook and it's like you are not allowed to go here and I'm like what What did I do What and I was like Oh, it thinks I'm Russian. <laughs> oh my god, I thought. <laughs> I thought you were doing a bit. You actually did do that. Holy yeah. shit. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had anyone go to that extent to watch one of the stupid movies we cover. But this movie well, is actually ha- good. I felt good about getting the movie. I'm like, all right, well, you know, at least I own it. I can watch it again. Yeah. Well, they, they only had – I mean they had a copy on YouTube, but it was one of those ones where they're trying to, to skirt the copyright detection. So it was like kind of slightly sped up and it's they shrinked it into like the corner. And it's, I was just like, I'm not yeah. watching this. No, I couldn't do that either. I found that version too and I was like, I can't do this. I was looking at the comments. I think it sped up so much. I think it was like an hour seventeen or something. Like it was ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm not. I'm just gonna get the DVD. Luckily, it was like I got it on Amazon. I got it in two days. I watched it twice um, because the uh, the first time I was a little too drunk and I fell asleep after this conversation in the part that we're in. I knocked the fuck out, um, and then like I watched it again this morning from beginning to end, and I was like, okay, this is good. I like this. I think it's it's a movie that if you're it makes you want to drink this movie, honestly, because everyone's fucking drinking. Well, yeah, and they're also drinking something. So I think they were drinking this because it registered on camera more. But when they're drinking tequila, it actually looks like they're just drinking margarita mix. Yeah, it looks kind of green. 
Yeah, and it was kind of, and I was like, "Ooh, that looks good." It's all like lime, like green. It kind of looks like melted snow cone syrup. It does. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I was like, that actually looks kind of tasty. I know it's supposed to be like cheap tequila, like cheap hard liquor. Made, yeah, but they wanted to make it look pretty for the movie, and it and it actually worked. It kind of. <laughs> it was kind of <laughs> You're right, though. I didn't even – I, I kind of noted that in my head, but I was like, ah, maybe they're throwing some kind of shit in there. But you're right. It did have a little bit of color to it. I feel like the director was like, ah, you know, it's just it just looks like it could be water. Let's let's add a little something to it to kind of give it a little, yeah. little flavor. The, the, well, <clears throat> so I guess what I, what I found out was that the director – the director had sort of gotten famous for having made this British spy comedy drama action movie at like a couple years before, and he was sort of like a Guy Ritchie of the 60s. Oh. And so they brought him over to the U.S., and, gave, and the Appaloosa was his first studio job, and they, were t- and they just basically told him, make a spaghetti western. Oh my god! And so that's why there's like so many like giant close-ups of faces and sneering mouths and like lots of like cackling and sweaty pores on people's faces and stuff because, and all the like and all the kind of grotesque camera angles and everything is because um, yeah they brought like basically this guy Richie to America oh, and wow. told him to imitate Sergio Leone. I love that. I, I it it makes a it it really did. I think the direction, the shots. It made a movie that could have been – this could have been honestly a slog of a film. I think finding the right character actors and then having, of course, Marlon Brando taking lead, it, it just – it makes the movie – I guess even though like you said in a lot of reviews, people are like this is incredibly slow, not enough happens or whatever. It still makes an incredibly watchable film in my opinion. I was I was definitely like engaged. I was – even the parts like in this conversation part – yeah, I may not know what the fuck they're talking about, but I'm looking at their faces and I'm just like, I can't look away. This is too interesting. This guy's got a fucking like, he's got like half Freddy Cougar face. I'm fucking loving it. I was also I was also pleasantly surprised by the runtime because when I when it first came on and I saw that technoscope like widest widescreen ever, I was like, oh shit, this is gonna be like three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> and then it turned out to be like an hour and a half, and I was like, oh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, the, the, so it wasn't like they weren't trying to feed you. It wasn't like this pretentious director. Like it wasn't like John Huston who was like, "You will watch my three-hour movie and you will love it." Um, it was just like <laughs> they they were just trying to make like a pot boiler. Yeah. Like, okay. Just, yeah. You know, it's it's a it's a simple film, but it gets the job done. Uh, uh, the Miyagi Mexican guy tells you know he does tell. He tells Marlon Brando, like, yo, don't just go straight to Coatlan. They know you're coming. There's a back road you can take. You'll get there there you'll get there faster and you maybe will not die. So maybe do that. And he's like he's kinda still in his like Mexican character and he's like, I don't know, I kinda wanna go to Coatlan. I heard there's some nice ladies. I wanna give him a little pokey poke. And <laughs> that's not what he says. <laughs> It's <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> pretty much, and he's kind of being stubborn about it. But I'm, they don't actually show him when he gets like how he gets there. But I'm guessing he ended up taking the back road. I'm not sure, but he does end up in Coatlan, and he like fucking sneak attacks Trini, and he's like, you know, don't scream or I'll kill you. And he's like, you're gonna help me get on the horse. And she's like, I can't do that because like literally they always have their eyes on me. Like she's basically like. He always has someone watching for her, like making sure she's not, she's like she's just always trying to get away from this ass. Well, now, so she was supposed to have been she was sold to him when she was fifteen, yeah, 
and she's got to be at least like 30 in this movie so doesn't look super young yeah i mean the actress was probably like around 30 so i'm thinking that she's basically hated him and tried to been trying to run away from him for For over a a decade yeah yeah, so like when he when they were at that church on the border town and he was all embarrassed, like I don't want my pistilleros to know that my woman doesn't like me, and I'm like, are they blind or something? <laughs> like, do they really think she's into you? Because it's pretty <laughs> obvious she's not. Yeah, like and also the fact that like I think he honestly, I, I, I don't know. Do you think Chewie had ha, actually had real feelings for her, or do you think she was just like a pretty girl that he could like? fuck with and stuff i think it's probably what you said about him being a rich kid like i can totally imagine that like his dad probably like drove it into him like you know you know there's three things that a man needs to have respect his woman and his you know gun and his men or something like that and uh, guns you know i think it's hot pussy <laughs> yeah, so it's like exactly. It's like I think that it was. Ju- I don't think he was really into her. I think it was just that she was sort of like she was to him what the horse was to Brando, probably. Yeah, that's a, that is a crazy little marriage. like a symbol of something, you know. Yeah. Like it was sort of like he's like, okay, well, you know, if I if my woman rejects me or I lose my woman or whatever, then my pistilleros are going to like think that I'm a pussy and then they're going to like start like going to go work for other people and they're going to find a new jefe and then like I'm just going to be you know this mustachio dude sitting around drinking margarita mix. Yeah I mean because they stick around him even though he's kind of weak he kind of doesn't want to ever do anything himself he drinks himself to like fucking to drunk like blackout drunkenness every day. I was going to say like you mentioned like how they keep drinking and they never seem too drunk that scene just before she runs into Brando when she comes out and she's like, hey, Lazaro was like on my bed and it fucking creeped me out because look at him. Um, and I woke <laughs> up and I saw this gross face. And then like she's like, I don't do like that's horrible. And he and he's like, oh, yeah, I told him to do that. You know, Chewie's like, I told him to do that. And if you ever try to run away again, I'm going to tell these two to also do that. And it's going to be even worse for you. Like basically he was like. I'm going to have my my men rape you if you try to run away again, which is really fucked up. And in that whole scene. Chewie looks fucking drunk. Like, he reminded me of some of my old Theos from back in the day that are obviously not alive for a reason uh, because those <laughs> motherfuckers could down some, some liquor. And um, and he has that kind of where he's not really talking to Lazaro. <laughs> like, he's not talking. They're just staring at each other, but they're saying a, God, a lot of words. I like that shit. I kind of like it. Yeah, that was a weird, like, that was interesting, that camera angle where it's shot, where, like, each one is, like, leaning on the table with their forearm yeah. on it. And they're just looking at each other. You know, well, I was thinking that, you know, he's he's got to be rich because from what we've seen from everyone else in the movie, like you said, they don't even have chairs. And he's got this really great house, you know, with like um, upstairs and downstairs and all this nice furniture and like glassware and stuff. So, I mean, he's probably like the best game in town to work for. Yeah, I think he's he's the one that you want to be on his side, better be on his side than against him. And he's got his own cantina and like. He's doing great. This guy, I think it's basically like he bought his friends. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and it was it was funny too because I know that like later on when <clears throat> he when Marlon Brando is worried that if he wins, if he kills Chewie, that Chewie's men will kill him. And I was thinking like if he kills Chewie, Chewie's men are going to be like, "Hey, Hefe, yeah, you're our new you're our new boss." Yeah, like, yeah they're those kind of like guys. they're not going to they're not going to have like respect for their dead. Um, 
for dead Chewie and like, <laughs> dead you know, Chewy. avenge him or whatever. <laughs> like they're just going to be like, okay, well, so how much are you paying us and who do you want us to yeah, shoot? Yeah, and I think that's why Chewie's so worried because, excuse me, because he knows that, um, he, I think he knows he's buying their, their loyalty. So if they see any kind of weakness or any kind of, kind of like the Sopranos or like any other type of mob movie where it's like, as soon as anyone sees like, oh, this guy's going to therapy. He's a real bitch. <laughs> I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to follow him anymore. So like, it's that kind of thing where he's like, oh, I don't want them to know that like, you know, my chica's trying to fucking get away from me. Like, like cause I'm a good lover. Like she would want to be with me in my, my dick action. you know like and so i can kind of see that like it's it's all very um it all has that machismo it's this is basically machismo versus machismo but like different machismo you have the chewies you know you know bigoted like fucking chauvinist just horrible machismo and then you got marlon brando's machismo which is a little bit more like i came from some rough upbringing i you know i grew up very humble i was kind of a a little bit of a trickster kind of like you know because he mentions like he was kind of a piece of shit growing up because he just didn't really have any um mentors or any kind of father figure but then he eventually got paco's dad to be his father figure and so he's like a he was like a bad kid that became a good man you know yeah uh which kind of yeah he about me a little bit but (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't that bad of a kid though yeah, yeah, I was like, I was like thinking, I'm definitely be more of a Brando in this than a than a Chewy. Yeah, I wish I'd had that kind of privilege. I would be, definitely be, uh, uh, I'd definitely have some pistoleros. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. I know. I'm kidding. I would hate. I know. That no, I mean, I like definitely. I I would probably just you know like dispense with the raping and pillaging and just drink all day at yeah. home and just know that it was paid for. Yeah, I would be low key <laughs> like spoiled brat if I was like say you know like. Um, Elon Musk was my dad or something and like I would just like I wouldn't be on TMZ I wouldn't be out partying I would just stay in the mansion and have the party come to me and just get drunk like that that sounds like fun I would I wouldn't want to be like a name I don't know why this happens but it always seems to happen that way where it's like rich kids just feel like oh you got to know me you know my parents did all this really good stuff so like you know look at me like I'm drinking and and partying and stuff like how cool i am (laughs) like i don't get it i don't get it it's just it's dumb and even when they get away from that later like i know paris hilton just had some documentary on netflix or something where it's like a documentary where she's like i want i'm done with trying to be the center of attention i'm done with trying to get people to focus on me here's a documentary about me coming to terms with that (laughs) bitch it's a documentary (laughs) that you're in starring you that you produced like this is not We're not making strides here. Like you're still exhibiting this this tendency, but whatever. Sure, I'll watch it. I'm a fucking grown ass woman. Okay, you need to fucking you need to realize that I am now. <laughs> I didn't even think about it that way. That's hilarious. I might steal that if I do an open mic. Uh, <laughs> my friend keeps telling me to go do an open mic, and I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. I went to one this past Thursday, and it was actually not bad. It was is hit or miss, but. There was a couple of bombs that I'm just like, oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that guy. That looks rough. Like, jeez. Well, also, success is scary, though, and especially in comedy, because every let's. I feel like every stand-up comedian who gets successful like grows old to be this incredibly bitter, oh, right. angry, and they're always like, you know, like the like a Chevy Chase style oh, or something yeah. like that. So it's like, um, 
I mean, I, I've tried to figure out what it is. I mean, I've read about it, I guess, like, you know, like, it makes sense. It's like, you know, why would somebody who's so incredibly bitter and insecure want to get up on stage and make people laugh? Oh, I guess I just answered my own question or whatever. Uh-huh. But the, the success doesn't redeem them or doesn't, like, give them therapy. It just sort of, like, prolongs that. And then when they get old and then they're just, like, you know— throwing like drinks in their <laughs> wife's face like you don't love me you just love I make you laugh at the money get out of here especially like the lifers like I think Michael Keaton did it right Michael Keaton was straight up stand up comedian like that's where he paid his dues that's how he's making his money then he was Batman and he was in a bunch of other movies and like and now he just kind of works when he wants to work and you know he's obviously not he's not doing a you know uh, what a lot of other older actors do, which is like take whatever fucking job they can get just to get it. But um, I guess like uh, Bruce Willis is doing right now in the last five years, that guy's been in like 2000 movies. Jeez, that guy, does he have like student loans or something? I don't know. <laughs> like I heard a theory and there's no proof behind this. And I was just watching red letter media on YouTube and they had just covered a whole bunch of Bruce Willis movies from like, I'm not sure if it was like the most just from this like from the past year and now or what but they covered a bunch of them like i want to say like six of them and they were you know a lot of them were really bad and they were kind of just asking themselves like why would he do this why would he just be making so many like what is like like you said does he have loans is what is he doing there's some some kind of rumor going around saying that He's suffering from dementia, and it's going to get worse. I think it's a rumor. Um, it's going to get worse, so he's just trying to make as much money as possible so that way he has money for his kids and his family because he has, like, a mixed, like, extended family. Oh, yeah. He does have, like, all those kids with Demi Moore and then probably some other Yeah, ones, and right? I'm sure he's gotten close to whatever mm-hmm. kids. I'm not sure if she had kids with Ashton, but, like, I'm pretty sure. Um, you know, like I really don't really care that many much about celebrities, but I'm just assuming it's a pretty big family. And so like they're saying that um, that that's why he's working so hard. And that's also why he's having so much trouble, like why he's not doing much in the movies. Like he has these demands like there's a movie where you can literally see he has a little earpiece and someone's probably feeding the lines. Right, and it's always like he'll just come in for like three days of work, yes. and he won't even interact with the other actors, and they'll put him on the poster, but they'll just sort of thread him through the movie enough so to create the illusion yes. that he's <laughs> like a, a, he's doing like this Cameron Mitchell thing oh, yeah. where they'll just kind of shoe, shoehorn him in to something. He is the new Cameron Mitchell. <laughs> he is the new Cameron Mitchell. Um, Except not drunk, it, God, which it, sucks. I like drunk Cameron Mitchell. It's fun. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, uh, Bruce Willis should get drunk. He's a prick. That's what I've... Uh, I've seen him in interviews and stuff, and he's just – he's a total prick. And so I'm like, maybe maybe he needs a drink <laughs> or a drug or something. I don't know. He gives <laughs> off that vibe like he'd be a mean drunk. Like, it would make him worse. Like, I don't know. Like, maybe he's more of a coke guy because I'm like, he seems like the kind of guy that when he gets drunk, like, he puts on, like, a tank top, like a white tank top and just starts hitting people. Right, right. Yeah, or, like, doing, like, weird, like, antagonistic, intimidating things where, like, he starts asking you questions and, like, trying to... Yeah, yeah. I think maybe he's probably, like... You know what he needs to be on is pills. Mm-hmm. Like, oxy. Yeah, like... Yeah, he gives off that vibe. Like, if he's drunk enough, he just barks at you. Like... Yeah, he needs to he needs to do, like, the Winona Ryder thing. Like, he just needs to take pills and, like, try to, like, rip tags off blouses at Saks Fifth Avenue without anyone noticing. Yeah, and, it's fun. Like, it's just... a thrill ride, uh, stealing stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It's kind of a drug, I guess. I've never really been big. Have you ever, like, stole shit? 
when I was a kid, I remember like, you know, I wonder if I can get out the door with this pack of gum. Oh, you yes, know, yeah. Um, yeah. But I mean, that was that was pretty much it. I've never like, never, oh, no, I do. I do remember I would get pictures developed and I would steal them from the store because I knew that when you get pictures developed and they put them in the little pouch, like they're not going to put a sensor on them. That'll beep when you go out the oh, door. Shit. So I would always go like, oh, I found my pictures. I'll pay for these at the front. And then I would like go around and like buy like, I don't know, something. And then I just keep my – and I don't know why I didn't want to pay for my pictures. I don't think it was because I couldn't afford it. I think it was just because I thought that, like, the world You were cheating pictures. the system. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> yeah. why do I have to pay this much for all these photos of my, my butthole? <laughs> yeah, right. It was like – there were, like, pictures of, like, yeah, like, kids at school or, like, my cat or something. And I was just like, yeah, this is this is owed to me by the state. <laughs> I live in, like, this weird, like, socialist universe where, like, my pictures are paid for. <laughs> yeah, there's just, like, a stamp in the back. It just says, like, whatever communist society it is called. You know, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I I also – I never really got into the – you know why I definitely have the kind of personality that I would – it would be, like, my first bump, you know? And I would be like, I got to um... keep doing this. This is fun. Like, I want to keep stealing shirts. I have a friend that does that all the time. Like, he's so good at stealing clothes. Like, he's like a pro. Uh, but, yeah, no, like, I feel like I would do that. So, but, like, my buddy just gets away with it. Just does. I'm like, I don't know, man. I just, I just can't do it. I'll start sweating. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And, also, uh, yeah, I'm incredibly bad at lying too. And another thing too is that I look, sh- well, I don't, I don't think I do anymore, but when I was younger, I looked shifty. Ah, uh, yeah. And so people would oftentimes think I was stealing and stuff, and it would give me great satisfaction to be like, nope. I don't have anything. You're just targeting me because I don't make eye contact or whatever. So, <laughs> so I like to like, you know, so it, I could never actually steal because I didn't want to prove them right. Yeah. See, I have this like charm. I can't turn off some, like, I know that sounds really humble braggy, but <laughs> I do have this weird, like to the point where like, I remember in the past I would have girlfriends be like, why are you flirting with a waitress? Or like, why are you flirting with the server? I'm like, I'm not. I'm. I'm literally. It doesn't even matter who's in front of me. Like I'm just being nice because I know they're probably. It's a tough job, you know. Like so, I want to make somebody, at least like bring some sort of positivity, some good energy to someone, no matter who the hell they are. And I think sometimes it's misinterpreted as like, oh, he's just he's just making her laugh because he's flirting or whatever. Um, that used to happen when I was young. Now I think like, now that I'm dating like just like grown ass people. They just kind of know, like, oh, he's that's just part of his personality. But when I was young in my twenties, it used to be misinterpreted all the time. So I think when if I could flip that switch and not get so fucking in my own head, I could probably steal shit easily. I think I could talk my way out of it. But I'm yeah. so neurotic sometimes. I think I would, it would get to me. I I just don't know if I got it in me. Yeah, because I've thought about that too. Like, I remember thinking, like, I wonder if I could do like a Jackie Brown thing. Where, oh like, yeah, yeah. I, I was like, I don't think I would get past the first level. Yeah. with that, like, like Samuel L. Jackson would be like, "Did you tell the cops anything?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, shoot me." <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Samuel Jackson in that movie. Jeez, we covered that on the show. I love that movie. Who had a mustache in that? Uh, we did. Uh, I think we did Robert De Niro's. Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure we covered. We, we it was Robert De Niro, and maybe there was another mustache in there somewhere. But like, yeah, it was because he has sported one before in the past. But I hope y'all enjoyed this tangent of <laughs> me and Mike talking about how we wish we could steal <laughs> shit. <laughs> we talked about for what? ten minutes. Well, you can do it, like you can go back through and like edit out. Uh, I know, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck them, it's okay. They can listen to it. They can forward. Fuck y'all. Y'all can forward through it if you want. Jesus Christ! Let, don't 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 make me do more work than I have to, y'all. Come on. <laughs> where so where so in the movie? Do we we left off when Brando and Trini Brando goes up to Trini's room? Yes. And yeah. he like he, she puts on a candle. He's like, turn it off. Like, blah, blah. he's like, you know, he tries to tell her, like, I need you to get on the Appaloosa, get the hell, like, start writing it out. I'm going to follow you, and um, we're going to get this horse out of here. And she's like, you realize if I do that, they're going to find out, and you're going to die. And he eventually is like, okay, fine, whatever, I believe you. Oh, and she does apologize for what she did. She was like, I didn't mean to mix you up in all this shit. But she mentions to him, like, what happened, and her being sold at 15, and this and that, and that gives him... He empathizes with it, and he's like, um, that's when you kind of see um, – because I, I was like, okay, they're not going to be love interests. No way. But that that's what kind of created that connection between the two. But at the same time, I was thinking – because then she gets called over by, by Chewy, and she goes, and then he, he ends up going to go get his horse. He gets on his horse. I love the muddiness too, like that wet, gross mud. It's just so Old West shit. I love that shit. It's also gross. And so he gets on his horse, and then Chewie's like, Orle Huey, what are you doing, dude? Like, why don't you come in my cantina? Like, I love the games he's playing. He's like a Batman villain. <laughs> like, it's yeah. so good. I love it, dude. But I was like, did Trini, like, give him the – did he already know, or did Trini tell him, like, hey, that guy's here, that the, you know, the huerito is here or whatever. Like, do you want to, like – get him or not like because i couldn't tell because he looks at trini like in the cantina and she's just like sucking on a lime and shit well i think it's i think honestly i think chewy is just like omniscient or he's powerful (laughs) yeah because for it's like chewy lives in mexico he was in this border town in ojo prieto for whatever reason i don't know but then like later on he just happens to be riding through the desert with his friend like chuckling they're sharing some jokes or something and then he sees the ranch where brando is and then that gives him the idea to steal the horse like he didn't even go after brando initially like he was just kind of riding around and just kind of stumbled across him yeah. so when he just showed up outside when brando's trying to get on the horse and then all of a sudden he's there i'm just like oh he just he that guy just knows everything like he can smell drama and has to get in yeah it. yeah and you know like i think that's why he felt he the way he acts is like he has full upper hand. He has a full advantage. And I think it's right. Like everyone, I think it's on his payroll and um, are on the payroll. So like he owns that town is the way the vibe sa- seemed. So it's like, I don't give a shit. I have eyes and ears everywhere, bitch. Like, um, so I think that's kind of what you're saying. It's like it, it just a kind of subtle, sudden move. And they see that Marlon Brando's there and he gets word of it. So he's right there. I love the whole interaction where he invites him in. I think this is a part where, like, people would say this is slow. But I like it. I like the fucking cat and mouse, like, wordplay. We're both kind of, like, we both don't like each other, but we're going to, like, I'm going to be cordial to you to be a fucking ass. Like, it's kind of fun when you know someone doesn't like you, so you kind of are, like, nice to them to piss them off more. 
I love that bit. (laughs) Yeah, and it's actually kind of a really smart thing to put in this movie rather than just having them, like, sneer at each other and, like, pull guns and, like... They play games. Well, at least Chewie plays games. Like, uh, Matt's character doesn't want to play games. He, He wants to just get his fucking horse and get out of there. But he's willing to play along because he understands, like, his life is on the line. Um, so he's trying to be patient about it. I think um, I think Chewie, like, it's not like other cultures weren't enjoying tequila at the time. But, like, he's like, don't you don't you white people like con- cognac? Or I forgot what he gives. He's like, he gives us some <laughs> other type of liqueur or something. He's like, yeah, we got that stuff. And they start drinking. And next thing you know, Lazaro goes and gets this special little box full of uh, with a couple oh. of scorpions it's a good that's, that's kind of cool i kind of like that yeah and i was thinking actually how much of a badass john saxon is because he picks up the the scorpions are on strings and he picks them up and holds them in front of his face in in close-up that the camera's getting and he's like watching them like dance on the string in front of him and like i wouldn't do that <laughs> like, as an actor I'm scared <laughs> yeah no i i'm I, i've always said that like you know i you, if you said like I'm gonna pay you twenty million dollars to star in this Marvel movie, but you have to have like a tarantula on your hand, I'd be like, no, nope, fuck it. <laughs> yeah, I I lived a little bit outside of San Antonio for a little while, and we had a lot of scorpions out there, and I got used to them. At first, like it was kind of weird because I grew up in the inner city, and there was no scorpions, obviously, um, plenty of other kinds of bugs, but no scorpions. And then when I moved out there, I saw them like all the time in my garage, and I never wanted to kill them. So I used to, I got used to kind of picking them up, and as long as you pick them up by the tail, they really can't do shit to you. You know, I can crawl on you and maybe pinch you a little bit, but it's not really that big. I like insects though; like I really like bugs. I don't know why. I'm weird. They're too, they're too arachnidy for me. There's like so I many love things insects. going on, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Like I mean, insects are fine. Like, like I've, I've done that thing where you go to like the zoo or whatever, and you have like, you know, you let that giant Brazilian beetle crawl on you or whatever for a picture like i'm totally cool with anything with six legs you know grasshoppers beetles whatever um the spiders and the scorpion like that i draw the line yeah i don't know what it is it's like it's like it's somewhere back in my in my prehistoric life i think i was attacked by by they're also semi-unpredictable sometimes especially spiders that that can have that have hops like oh my god when a spider just like jumps at you it's the fucking that is the worst because you don't expect it. And man, they they could jump buildings if they were our size. Like it's insane. Yeah, and also they're they're predatory and they're meat eaters. See, the thing is, is with um, like for instance, it's like with insects, is they're always like herbivores. They're like the you know they're like little deer or little yeah, chipmunks or something. Right. You know, and then and then spiders are like these cre- like like you said, they could you know if spiders were as big as cats, they would rule the world. Yeah, I know it's fucking terrifying. insane but yes and i love the whole thing like this is like something they've done it's like it's like um this the fact they come in these special customized boxes is that what's what made me laugh the most i'm like they got these like nice little custom boxes for these scorpions to hang out in and they put them on the strings and like you said john saxon like kind of has them fucking with each other and then he separates them and it's actually tough for him to separate them you could see how he was trying to make sure they didn't bounce toward him 
Yeah, well, that's the part where I was like, I would scream. Like, when they were grabbing each other and then he pulls them apart, and so he's putting so much pressure to pull them apart that they go kind of, like, flying apart from each other and swing around. And I'm like, like, ah, fuck. (laughs) I would have, like, wanted to, like, (laughs) throw them forward. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And then he ties them up. He puts them on each side. And they have a good old-fashioned – you would just never expect this in this kind of movie. And they just have a good old-fashioned fucking uh, arm wrestling competition, both left-handed, I think. Yeah, I noticed that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah left-handed arm wrestling and then the losers if his hand gets slammed down on the table he get uh, it gets stung by a scorpion yes and which i don't know how quick a scorpion is. it kind of depends on i guess on how it's feeling i mean i'm sure they're kind of stressed out in that situation because they literally went from a box to being on a table and they have a string on them and but I honestly, I thought at first, I'm like, oh, Marlon Brando just smashed it. Like, he's fine. I don't even think the singer got him. But then he got sick, and, like, it's like he definitely did get it. And there's this whole thing. They throw him kind of like in a fucking barn or something just to, like, die out or some shit. Oh, the church. Oh, is that where they put him? Yeah, because he goes, we have one church, in, and you will die in it. <laughs> is that what he said? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, because they had a church, but they didn't have uh priest because when um trini is talking about she's like when she's talking about when chewy bought her she's like i thought we were gonna have a wedding and we in a church but then i found out there was no priest oh god yeah that's right yeah i forgot about that part so they yeah just dump him on the floor of the church and then like chuckle as they walk away <laughs> chuckle <Like>, evilly <laughs> stupid <laughs> stupid stupid marlon brando badly you should have went with your right hand idiot I love how everybody in the movie who's Mexican calls him Mateo. Um, yeah, like automatic. Well, I will say that is a weird thing. I remember um, especially like – so uh, in San Antonio, there's like a good mix of like – San Antonio is one of those cities where there's so many Chicanos, but like almost everybody knows English. And so like for the most part, people will speak to you in English. And But it's weird. Like I remember having substitute teachers in uh, elementary and middle – middle school, um, if they were Spanish speakers first, they would always say Daniel, like every time. So that is kind of a thing. Like if you, if you're a Spanish speaker first, I wasn't a Spanish speaker first. I, I, my Spanish is horrible. I was mostly brought up with English because my parents were like worried that I wouldn't be able to assimilate properly. Um, because back in the nineties, it was not about dual language. They were just wanting you to like blend in and not ruffle feathers back then. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, totally. It was a different time. But, um, but yeah, like, whenever I would have a substitute, they would be like, um, Daniel? And then everybody would laugh because to all these, like, whitewashed Mexican kids, Daniel was, like, Danielle, like a girl's name. Right. It's like, when, it's like um, the in French, the name for Michael is Michel. Yes, exactly. And so everyone giggles, like, oh, she called you a girl's name. I'm like, no, like, I've been called Danielle from my grandparents. Like, it's not a big deal, but they didn't know. But, yeah, so it is kind of a thing for them to be calling Mateo. It did kind of throw – it was a little bit of a throwback. It kind of reminded me of growing up a little bit because it is – it's also very endearing because it's, like, someone letting you know, like, you know, um, culturally, like, we're together. Like, you know what I mean? That's 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 what it is. And I think that's why it threw me for a loop, because like it was like my whole life. All I ever wanted was people to call me Miguelito. And (laughs) they were like, no, you're Mike. (laughs) No, it's fine. You're Mike. That's cool. (laughs) And I'm like, no, but don't you want to call me some cute little Spanish? No, we're good. Miguelito is kind of fun. (laughs) 
It's fun to say. Yeah, but everyone was like, no, that's something you made up for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't get it to stick. I do like – and I like Mateo too. It's fun. I, I, I like it when they do that because I have that in my notes too at some point. I'm just like, yeah, they call him Mateo. That's kind of fun. Um, but yes, it, this whole part – like I'm glad – like do you think he lived because he like immediately cuts his arm open to like bleed the wound again or bleed the venom out? I think that's probably what it was. I think that, um, yeah, he breaks a bottle and he cuts his arm, and I'm pretty sure that he lost an- enough of the venom that way that yeah. he only got, like, kind of violently ill later or something. Like, he's sweating. And, and Miyagi like, gave him, and... like, some special magical serum. Like, that guy almost is, like, magic in this movie. Like, he has, like, <laughs> has some special well, yeah, herbs. Oh, yeah, and it was funny, too, because earlier it was, like, it was supposed to be showing how kind of magical he was that he was able to see through Marlon Brando's ruse. Like Marlon Brando, like you said, he's like, oh, I'm going to go across the border and I'm going to do pokey pokey. And yeah. like, Mexican Miyagi's like, gringo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said something to him and I was like, oh, he knows he's white. Yep. And and in the context of this movie, it's because he's incredibly perceptive, not because he's talking to Marlon Brando. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that he is. He's just a very, very... Um, He's he kind of has the sight, you know. He's a very wise, wise Mexicano out in the middle of nowhere yeah. with a bunch of sheep and goats and shit. Right. So he gives them something to drink. They don't say what it is. It's made with herbs, or as she calls them herbs. She did call them herbs. I heard. She goes, "Drink this. It is made with herbs. <laughs> it's made with herbs." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is she like Welsh now I know, or something? That was weird. <laughs> I noticed that too. And he drinks that shit, and he starts getting a little bit better, and she's like, take me with you to the border. He's, of course, like, no. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. But she convinces him. She does convince him eventually. Oh, this is when she tells the whole story. So she kind of, like, sort of guilt trips him into it. Yeah, and so – I was wondering during this time, because I know how Brando is, and I know how he's kind of not a very generous actor, and I was like, I wonder how much it hurt him to just shut up and let her have this monologue. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I wonder if he went to the director later, and he's like, maybe we need to cut that part out. I think they may have been able to trick him into it, because it's like, oh, you've been poisoned, and you're super weak, so like, every word's a strain. Or the director was probably like, okay, I'm just going to get like this 30-second shot of you just staring off into the distance. You'll be featured by yourself in the scene. (laughs) And then like after he left for the day, they shot the monologue I never thought about that. I feel like directors might do that. (laughs) You got to kind of like work with the – you got to work with the talent sometimes because they're just – Yeah. Like Brando probably didn't even know she was going to be in the movie. He thought it was – Yes. He was just like, oh, so this is about me and an imaginary friend? This is perfect. <laughs> By the way, we didn't even mention that uh, Miyagi Mexican puts puts hides them in the tomb that he, he has prepared for himself to die in at some point. Oh, yeah. Like what? It's like <laughs> underground right. bunker type situation. Yeah, and he's like, someday when I'm tired of living, I will come and die in this grave. And then she's like – he's like, go in there and hide. And she goes, but it's a grave. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, and he's like, yeah. He's like, just go in there, just don't worry. It's so weird. I don't know. It's funny too because it was uh, in this movie uh, came out like years later called Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman, where he plays this like little white child who's kidnapped by Indians or something, and he grows up with Indians. I've never seen it, but I've um, heard of it. Yes. 
Yeah, and he's got like this wise old father figure mentor who mentions several times that he has a place planned for where he's going to die. And when he's tired of living, he's going to go lie down and die there. So I think it was like maybe a trope. Yeah, I guess it was like an old trope, like like for the wise man to be like, oh, yes, after I'm being wise, after being wise for so many years. Yeah, it's like you, you can't help but plan your own death because you have been so responsible and had so much foresight the rest of your life or yeah like you know when your body's ready to turn off like because right. most of the time you just like fucking have a heart attack and shit in your sleep and die uh, oh yeah or like or like like i want to go like brando in the godfather like i want to have a heart attack on a vineyard somewhere yeah that was like the most beautiful heart attack ever yeah and it's like perfect weather and it's like you know and i always think like yeah like a vineyard is a good place to die because everybody's really chill and yeah (laughs) it's a very peaceful way to go like aside from you like you know um not being able to feel your left arm and (laughs) for that second yeah or or maybe like william holden just like get drunk and bash your head on a coffee table and never wake up (laughs) you know when he was like he was still kind of you know he was sexy he was like 70 years old he'd probably just gotten done banging like these two hot 56 year olds so it was like he never got senile he never had to be in a wheelchair it was perfect not a bad way to go and um so some of chewie's dudes come through including scarface and uh they they he goes and he starts questioning um yagi and and it's a back and forth. He ends up, I mean, honestly, one of the most brutal parts of the film is he fucking kills his sheep. Yeah. He shoots him right in the fucking head. They don't show it. This movie is very, by the way, like, the blood is obviously fake. And, like, I guess this was a time where they were trying to make sure, like, the blood isn't too real. And um, Oh, and I was, yeah, and I was definitely, like, I didn't know if, like, the Humane Society had their claws in movies yet at this point. So when he pulled the gun on the sheep, I was like, please let this be after the era when they stopped just murdering animals totally in movies. No, no, they definitely. they smashed the scorpion. They did. <laughs> and I and I feel like that is something, that is, I'm pretty sure that was legit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I don't think they actually killed the sheep. Uh, I thought they did it tastefully. Like, you can feel the pain, like, the shittiness of it without having to see the brutality of watching a sheep get its fucking head blown out. Um, nobody yeah. wants to see that. And um, But it, it it's effective still. And he ends up, like, whipping the shit out of Miyagi. And, like, he's trying... Because Miyagi's holding up tight. Like, he's not... He doesn't want to tell him shit. And they were able to track um, Mateo... I'm going to say Mateo now. They were able to track Mateo and Trini because they were like, this is the same horse tracks as the Appaloosa, but slightly deeper. So she knows that – so they know that she had him on the horse, and it was a little bit more weight. She's kind of cool. I like the little details like that. And eventually, Mateo comes out of the tomb, sneaks up. He sneaks up on the, like, roof of, like, a barn or something just so he can grab a stone because he doesn't have a weapon or anything. And he jumps this guy, uh, one the other guy aside from the Scarface guy, knocks his ass out, fucks him up. And now we're just left with uh, we're just left with Scarface, who comes out. He knows something's going on, and for some reason Miyagi decides he wants to try to jump into the fight. I'm like, dude, just chill out. Like you've done your part by not talking. And he does the same thing too, where he picks up a rock. Yes, and he's like, I'm gonna. But do he's like not what Brando Brando's did. age. He's like 69 <laughs> no. years old or something. <laughs> In 1870, so like he was like he may as well have just been like, like his liver is a plum. Yeah, like this yeah. guy is barely gonna get, like he's holding on, 
and he tries to throw the fucking rock. He gets shot. Then he tries one more time to throw the rock, but he gets <laughs> shot. I got to give him that for his perseverance. I like that. Well, now he had a history. Like, didn't isn't like didn't Miyagi's some... family or something have didn't Chewie did uh, something Chewie... to them? Yeah, like I'm not sure if they killed yeah. one of his kids or something. Like just for right. So funds. when he was coming after him, it was like he was doing that thing of like you know, like he will not be stopped. He had to have his vengeance. Yes. Yeah, he was. He was definitely. He was fired up. He was like, I'm going to do something about this. He finally found someone. Like he found. I think he's always felt alone. So he just stayed out there, and he's basically like Obi Wan Kenobi, he's just a hermit. And um, but he eventually found someone that is part of like what he believes in, like trying to stop Chewie, even though it's just because of like a horse. But it still works out. Whatever. They both don't like Chewie, so like he dies. And then I love, I love this trope in movies where the hero goes, "Hey!" Like he like calls the attention <laughs> of the guy with the gun. Why would you do that? Just shoot him. <laughs> Fuck. Because it's like he wants to look at him when he shoots him. Or yeah, something. it's so weird. So he ends up killing Scarface. He shoots him a couple of times. It's really cool. It's a nice little. I actually like this scene better than the climax of the movie, or like you know, with the the way it ends. Like, I like this whole nighttime shit sneaking around. Like, I think I think they shot it pretty well, considering like it's not over the top action, um, but it's still it's fun. I like I like that all that stuff and. um because, you know, I like the fact that Marlon Brando's character is, like, working with very little tools, and he's been sick, so he's just sort of just holding on. But then by the time we get to the next morning, you know, they, they bury uh, Miyagi, and he's, like, 100% better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know how that happened, but he's feeling really good. I don't know. Maybe – I don't know. Maybe Trini helped him out. <laughs> And well, it was like it was that drink. It was the herbal drink. The like, they didn't mention what was in it, but it was yeah, some sort of indigenous magic. Love it. I love it. And so then they go out, and now they're like, I guess is this in Utah? It's all snowy and shit. And the, I'm not sure where they're at That's, here. They shot it. I was looking at where they shot it. They shot it everywhere. I'm probably that's probably California. Probably. Because California is with the mountains and the pine trees and the snow and and stuff. So. You're right, and um, and like that. This is the part where like he basically gets because Chewie has his men looking out, looking for him after you know the fact that his men didn't report back to him. He's assuming they're gone. So then he he's uh, Marlon Brando like tricks one of the guys and shoots one of them and tells the other guy to go send that message that we mentioned, which is such a good scene. I loved it. <laughs> right. It's such a it's such an insult that's just like meant to like insult somebody like Chewie. Yes. Like your scorpion venom is weak, like the blood of the Medinas. And he's like, <laughs> "Get my horse!" I and yet, him. you know, and then Chewie does head out, and he still brings Lazaro. Like he can't help it. He's such a fucking. He's just like such a weak leader. He's like, I don't want to go out there by myself. Jesus, like I'm gonna let you take the bullet first. <laughs> and so he goes out there, and it's like all snowy. And I, you know, it's still it's a it's still a very interesting scene because um, uh, Lazaro gets a the jump on, on on um, on Mateo, and he turns around and is able to get him. He shoots him down the hill. But I don't think they realized that was Lazaro. I think they thought, oh, okay, we killed Chewie. Yeah, because then they were like, okay, moving on. Because doesn't she say something along the lines of like, okay, like we're yeah, done here. We won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we win. <laughs> 
we win. That was hard. <laughs> that was okay. Hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is kind of weird because they are kind of like, okay, we did it. Let's go. We're free. And then, of course, then they see. I th- I'm not sure. I think it's Trini that sees like the slight little reflection of the sun in in who they they don't know whose it is, but it's a rifle pointing toward them. And so she mentions it, and then. Um, Mateo goes and tackles them off the horses and they dive down and of course it's Chewy and he's yelling and I'm like wait a minute am I going to get to hear Marlon Brando yell because they're like yelling at each other from a distance and this guy has not raised his voice once yeah actually that's the first time in the movie that he does yell right yeah he actually does eventually yell toward him and he's kind of letting Chewy does the whole like I'm the bad guy and I'm just gonna talk a lot and he's like I'll make a deal with you you know you'll give up Trini I'll let you keep the horse and I won't kill you and while he's doing all that Marlon Brando I love this shit where he like takes a little rope off of his hat his little sombrero and ties it up to some other shit and he's able to like lasso his own uh, his own rifle uh, pull it off of the horse shake off the snow it's all very good stuff I liked it. It's fun, and uh, eventually he sends his Appaloosa out, and Chewie warns, like, I'll fucking shoot it if you bring it out. I want Trini. Like, I want, you know, she's like, um, I've had her for so long, you know, it's been, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, you know, you can't help it. He loves her, I think, and so she. I think it's just, it's a question of principle. Yeah, at this point, it's like, <laughs> ah, God, I've been trying to save face this whole time. At least give me this, you know, give me Trini back, and. And so he sends the Appaloosa out, and he just tracks until he sees that reflection of the fucking rifle and just boom, 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 shoots a shitload of times in that direction and somehow shoots him. Uh, that's yeah. a crazy shot because it's pretty fucking far, and you can't see anything. I don't even know how he did yeah. that. But. Yeah, and then it was, and then you just see a stuntman sort of slide down the hill in, like, the background, and then that's supposed to be Chewie's, like, I feel like Chewie should have had a more spectacular death. yeah i feel like if you were going to show a hard death that would have been the one to show and just don't show any like gore or brutality in the rest of the movie like let's at least kill him nice and cool like he needs to earn it he's been like pretty awesome garbage this whole movie yeah yeah but it was like that was the last we saw of him and like we don't even get a shot of them going up and like kicking over his dead body and seeing his face. Or yeah, they could have used an extra shot of that at least. Where like, Yeah, like something like that where they kick him over and you just see like, uh, you know. Yeah, and he does like some, you know, like the ending of Scream. Like he jumps up. Oh, yeah. And then they shoot him again. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit. They fucking shoot him like five more times. Oh, my God. And so he's dead and it's very – it's it's I think that's maybe why people don't have the most you know positive vibe from the movie it's it, it's a little bit of a they just they it just doesn't really have like that grandiose vibe it's everything's pretty low key you know like nothing is like way overdone but you know he's dead they go over back to Paco's place and of course they they fucking welcome him just like they did earlier as if they hadn't seen him in 20 fucking years Right, and Paco's probably thinking, like, oh, thank God he brought his own woman. I know, I don't have to be cocked every night. (laughs) He's just hearing Marlon Brando just fucking going at his wife every night. He's like, Jesus, could you just... And then I wonder if, like, Miriam Colon is like, who's this bitch? I know, like, who the fuck is this bitch? (laughs) Oh, okay, you didn't tell me you were bringing a woman back. Uh, hi. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And that's the end of the movie there. And as you all know, I do like to do myself a little bit of a quick impression where I recognize, you know, a little part of the movie. And 
This is a segment I like to call Quick Impressions. <clears throat> Quick impressions. You were trying to run away from me? In front of my pistoleros? No. You were trying out a horse you wish me to buy for you. You are trying to run away from me? In front of my pistoleros? Oh, no. You are trying out the horse. You wish me to buy for you, stupid bitch. Thank you so much. That is the impression. Uh, he doesn't say stupid bitch. I decided to add that last minute. Uh, that is when, that is when uh, Chewie is just uh, basically choking poor Trini in the little like wagon cart and he's like letting her know like no 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 you did not run you were trying to buy a horse um so as you do know <laughs> as you as you may or may not know by I do like to rate these movies by my favorite mustaches um you have the um you have the full Fu Manchu recommendation you have the walrus mustache recommendation for pretty damn good the horseshoe mustache recommendation for eh, not bad and the Hitler mustache for burn this movie in hell. And you're welcome to re to invent your own mustachioed categories. If you will, what would you rate this movie? Mike, I would say walrus, but I would say with reservations, I'm worried because it is really slow. It was considered slow by sixties audiences. And as we know, people today, like, if, you know, anything stops for more than like 12 seconds, they're like on their phones crying about their ADHD. So <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I would say I'm going to say walrus mustache, but I'm going to I would get flack for that. I'm sure I I'm also going to go. I, I sometimes I'll tear it up. I, I'm going to go low tier because I don't think it's I, I like it enough where I can't give it a horseshoe. I think it's a nice mid to low tier walrus for me. I had a great time with it personally, um, but you're right. There's ways. I think there's there's and it has been remade. I have not seen the remake. I don't know. Maybe the remake kind of redeems, you know, to kind of bring a little more action. But I still think there's probably something lost. You know, if I were to watch the remake, I bet there's going to be things that I miss from the original. I like that it sits on stuff. You know, I like it. Yeah. Well, it's funny because neither movie made any sort of like so the. So Appaloosa was considered a flop when it came out, even though John Saxon was nominated for a Golden Globe, but he lost to Richard Attenborough in The Sand Pebbles. But it was they kind of snuck it out into theaters like they didn't really have an ad campaign. Oh. They just put it in theaters and then they're like, oh, it didn't do well. And they move it to the next city. And it was universal. So they had the resources to just kind of release it and just kind of. So it was not. It was not considered a hit. And then this the remake, the Appaloosa or whatever that came out with like Ed yeah, Harris and Renee Zellweger yeah. or something. I mean, that's like a straight to Redbox movie, I'm sure. Like, I don't think it even played in a theater. Yeah, so. I don't know. I still want to see it just out of curiosity. But um, I do like me some Ed Harris. Um, he's kind of like your kind of he has a Bruce Willis vibe to him, actually, in a way that kind of stoic. face. Yeah. And he's sort of it's funny because he's. I think because he's always been balding, he seems kind of ageless. 
Yeah, he's looked um, he's looked a solid forty two years old since he was um, twenty two years old. Yeah, he was like forty two in Creep Show, and then he was forty two in A Beautiful Mind, and then he's like, <laughs> you know, and now he's you know, and then he was now he's like fifty two because it's like you know he's getting up there. Yeah, now he looks more like fifty two, <laughs> but he's like it's it's amazing. I he doesn't he's never like never really lets me down. I think a lot of the stuff he's in. I even just saw this that really garbage. Um, movie called um jesus christ what's it called it's like um it has uh, it has the rock in it it has uh, uh mark Wahlberg. uh it's like they're on steroids and it takes place like in the 80s oh um, that that that's florida gym movie yes yeah uh, i can't, I can't. What's it, it's called like um it has it's the the title of it is like some workout mantra it's called something like, in gain um oh pain and pain gain. and gain pain yeah. and gain i saw pain and gain hated the movie but I love Ed Harris in it. Like he's fucking awesome in it. He doesn't even come in until like like an hour in. Is he like a cop or something? He's like a PI. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. And he's so good. He's so good. And he works so well with Tony Shalhoub, who's like this like like maniacal, like just super fucking crazy character. And then you have Ed Harris's like just stoic, um, chill character, and it's the perfect mix. Like that's the best part of the movie. And The Rock's actually pretty funny in it too. Mark Wahlberg just kills me in that movie. I hated it. Um, <laughs> but you can listen to every everything I learned from movies if you would like to hear that episode. Um, we had a good time. We also talk about cats um, quite a bit. But aside from all that, Mike, are there any plugs that you have for the show that you would like to let people know what you got going on? Absolutely not, unfortunately. I am, com- I am like Brando's character in this movie. I, <laughs> I had something going on once, but now I'm just this like weird bearded drifter who drinks too much and oh, me too. S- sleeps in a poncho. <laughs> I love that. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you have a. I gotta say, I, 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 you have a link to a movie that you directed. Um, what, what was it called? Oh, the trouble with Barry. The trouble with Barry. I yeah. watched it today. Oh, you did? I did watch it. Because I, I was talking to my girlfriend about it, and I was like, oh, he's got this movie he directed and, and co-wrote. And um, and I was like, you think I should watch it, or you think I sh- like, should I let him talk about it and then watch it? And she's like, just watch it. Why not? You have time. And I was like, okay. So I watched it today. I had a good time with it. I really did. I, I thought I knew exactly what you were doing with that. <laughs> I really liked it. It's like a... It's like a softcore porn slash slasher film, and it has really good comedy, really good actors. Like it's, it knows exactly what it is, and I loved it. it. Well, it was. I think it was. You know what? One of my favorite genres, or or one of my 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 most nostalgic times was the mid to late eighties. All the sort of comedy horrors that came yeah. out, like Night of the Creeps and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two and um, Critters and uh, things like that. And so I, that's where I was trying to go. Sleepaway Camp Two was kind of a big influence. Oh, love it. Yeah. So I w- I just wanted, and it was also too because I was living in L.A. at the time, and I was working on this TV show called East Los High, which is like this sort of like novella for teenagers. And I was making a bunch of money and all my actor friends were all sort of unemployed and we didn't have anything to do. And I was like, Hey, let's make a movie. Like it'll have the, it'll have the production values of a web series, but whatever. Um, so yeah, we just sort of, and, and you can kind of tell it's like so much of it is kind of like, like not like tacked on, but it's like, you can tell that I was just like, I had this actor friend. I'm like, okay, let's write it. Let's write a part. Okay, this guy can do an impression of a 
Bette Midler. So let's just like shoot a bunch <laughs> of Bette Midler character is so fucking funny to me, dude. I love that. Dude. The Bette Midler character is like to say that Bette Midler is shoehorned into this movie is giving shoehorns too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, especially the introduction where it's like, hey, you have a phone call. It's oh, Bette yeah. Midler. And it's just like, <laughs> just like singing. And it's so good. Like, Well, it was like, so so the, so the, the black woman was supposed to be the Bette Midler character. And then the Bette Midler actor was like, oh, I got to work at my job and I can't make it to the set. So I got april my friend who the black girl to come in and like do the character and then we had already shot some stuff with bet midler so i was like what are we going to do to to incorporate this bet midler stuff and i was like okay let's just take like a few hours just to shoot like we'll say bet midler's stalking him or whatever so yeah. we just had that, that and it was like it was also because i'm an editor and so i was like it's the shooting the movie wasn't the most fun for me and the most fun for me was like creating it in the in the editing so y'all you know i would imagine um, yeah, so as y'all know, y'all can uh, follow the podcastio at Mustachioed Podcastio, M O U S T S H I O D on Instagram and at M Podcastio on Twitter. Um, there's also a Discord link. Just check out the, I have all the links there. Uh, follow us on Discord. I'm always looking for some new movie um, ideas. If you have a movie, if you just happen to be fucking watching a movie and you see a killer mustache, let me know. Yeah, I'm always looking for – I write them all down. They're all in this manger, like this full list that I keep. So I do keep those, and I'll put your name by it, and I'll let you I'll, – I'll shout you out for, for offering up a good movie. And also leave a, a, a review if you'd like of the, of the podcast. Um, if five stars, hell yeah, leave a review. If it's less than five stars, uh, just message me directly. We'll talk it over, and we'll get a, we'll figure out what 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 I need to do to better help your ears uh, enjoy the show. Uh, but Mike Justice, thank you so much for for a first timer, man. You knocked it out the park, baby. Oh, cool. Yeah, I had a good time. This was fun. Hell yeah, dude. I, I truly appreciate it. I, and I don't know, maybe we'll cover some more uh, Saxon mustache uh, in the years to come. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all have a good one. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye.